Hello and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and you're listening to episode 141 of the Imagineer Podcast. In today's podcast episode, we're going to discuss an attraction and a topic that has been recommended by so many of you over the years, which is the popular attraction you can find at four locations around the world, Soarin'. We'll talk about the history of this attraction starting at Disney California Adventure and how it eventually made its way over to Epcot and then in future years to Shanghai Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Sea. We'll share some fun facts and details, things you might not have known before about this attraction, and of course the various versions of the ride that you can experience throughout Disney history. At the end of the episode, we'll come back and I'll tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer podcast on all your favorite social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer podcast. Throughout Disney history, Walt Disney Imagineering has returned time and again to the sensation of flight. As guests, we have the opportunity to fly with Dumbo, ride on a magic carpet above Adventureland or on a rocket above Tomorrowland. We can board a pirate ship and fly above London, ride on the Disney Skyliner to get sweeping views of Walt Disney World, board an X-2 deep space shuttle to travel to Mars or orbit the Earth, fly on the back of an Ekron to soar over Pandora, travel through space and time with the Guardians of the Galaxy, pilot the Millennium Falcon, or watch a 360s Circle Vision movie to get a bird's eye view of various locations around the world. Even past attractions like Flight to the Moon, If You Had Wings, and The Skyway sought to provide guests with the sensation of flight. It would seem that the feeling of flight taps into a primal desire in our DNA. Since we lack the ability to fly as a species, the sensation of flying offers us a combination of thrills, bliss, whimsy, serenity, and a bit of fear, which are all emotions that call for the perfect theme park attraction. No wonder the Imagineers continue to explore the concept of flying, and they continue to find new ways to increase the realism of this experience, helping us literally reach new heights. Of all the flight-based attractions at the Disney parks, none is perhaps more popular or beloved than Soarin', which first opened at Disney California Adventure at the Disneyland Resort on February 8, 2001 as Soarin' Over California. The idea came about in the mid-1990s when Disney's Imagineers were busy brainstorming new ideas for a flight-based attraction for the Disneyland Resort. While it's not as widely discussed in the Disney fan community, one of the facts I love about the inspiration for Soarin' can be found in the Imagineering Field Guide to Epcot, which was written by the Imagineers. In one passage, the Imagineers write, quote, Soarin' can be seen as a spiritual successor to one of the favorite elements from the early days of Epcot, the Omnimax scene from Horizons. Imagineers never forgot how well that effect worked. So we were always looking for a way to make use of it again and to plus the idea even further. 
During the initial development of the Soren concept, the Imagineers sought the means to take our guests on a hang glider, with all the sense of wonder and freedom that that implies. This device allows us to fly our guests over vistas they could never see without this attraction." End quote. What began as a hang glider ride concept called Ultra Flight soon evolved into an entirely different experience thanks to Imagineer Mark Sumner, an executive ride project engineer who helped develop ride systems for such notable attractions as Test Track, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, Pirates of the Caribbean Battle for the Sunken Treasure, and Radiator Springs Racers. In fact, Mark was the first recipient of Walt Disney Imagineering's Spirit of Innovation Award. Over a Thanksgiving weekend, Mark spent some time at home thinking about how to best create a flight experience for guests. Looking through some of his old toys, Mark uncovered an old Erector set, a metal toy construction set that was first introduced in 1913. In a matter of just a few hours, Mark developed the first official prototype for the Soren Over California ride system, an IMAX theater-based flight simulator that could load three rows of guests at a time and bring all guests up to 40 feet in the air in front of an 80-foot concave IMAX projection dome using a cantilever system. Mark brought the concept into Walt Disney Imagineering the following week, and the idea was immediately approved as the design not only made it possible to create a realistic flight experience, but also created a highly efficient model that could quickly load and unload a theater full of 87 guests at a time. What's even more impressive about the system is that it requires lifting about 37 tons of steel using 1,000 horsepower electric motors, and yet the mechanism is whisper quiet. The next time you ride Soren, think about how quiet the ride system is and how different the experience might be if you were to hear mechanical sounds while soaring over the ground. It would virtually eliminate the illusion of flying on a hang glider. Much of this is explained in an episode of Modern Marvels that debuted on the History Channel. Take a listen to a clip that features Imagineers Mark Sumner, Kathy Mangum, and Tom McCann discussing this ride system.
While this flight-based attraction was originally intended for Disneyland, by this time, Disney was busy developing the Disneyland Resort's second theme park, Disney California Adventure. As the team was busy working on the park's opening day attractions, the Imagineers felt that this flight simulator attraction would be a perfect fit for the new park, and they narrowed the story to focus on flying over some of California's major landmarks as the park was designed to celebrate the history, beauty, and culture of the Golden State. Construction on Soarin' Over California began with the rest of the park, and the ride debuted as an opening day attraction in 2001 in Condor Flats, which was eventually refurbished to Grizzly Park Airfield in 2015. In designing the film used for the ride, the Imagineers scouted various locations across California and took more than two years to create the final product. To create a realistic flight, the Imagineers followed a fairly logical flight path that began in Northern California and concluded at the Disneyland Resort in Southern California, although the journey did not follow a direct north-south route as a certain scenes made sense to include in a slightly different order. Over the span of a little under five minutes, guests would visit the following locations in order. The Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, the Redwood Creek in Humboldt County, Napa Valley, Monterey Bay Sanctuary, Lake Tahoe, Yosemite Falls and Half Dome in Yosemite National Park, PGA West Palmer Course in La Quinta, the Orange Groves of Camarillo, Anza Borrego Desert State Park, the Naval Air Station North Island in San Diego, Malibu Beach, downtown Los Angeles, and Disneyland Park. The ride path also follows a full day of flying beginning in the early morning hours in San Francisco and concluding during the evening fireworks at Disneyland. Next time you watch a video of Soarin' Over California, notice how the day progresses from sunrise to dusk as the angle of sunlight changes. Moreover, the Imagineers decided to pay tribute to California recreation by including various leisure activities in several show scenes, including fishing, skiing, river rafting, kayaking, hot air ballooning, golfing, surfing, horseback riding, and of course, hang gliding. To enhance the attraction experience, the Imagineers also decided to include wind effects, which would provide a more realistic sensation of flying. In addition, various scents including citrus, pine, and ocean scents were added to the wind at strategic times to add an even greater sensory experience. The way in which they designed the system was unique to Soren. Here's another brief clip of the Modern Marvels episode referenced earlier. Take a listen as the Imagineers discuss the wind and scent effects on the ride. Thank you. 
In designing the show building for Soarin' Over California, the Imagineers decided on a large airplane hangar, which was large enough to house the two theaters within the attraction and fit with the aviation theme not only of Soarin', but also of the greater Condor Flat section of the park, so as to not appear to be larger than Grizzly Peak at the neighboring Grizzly River Run attraction, the show building was also built approximately 15 feet into the ground, which helped maintain the forced perspective illusion of the mountain ride. Upon entering the show building, guests proceed down a ramp through the center of the hangar, a room called the Wings of Fame. Here, guests can see a tribute to the history of California aviation and to some of the most noteworthy individuals in aviation history, including such legends as Amelia Earhart, Charles Lindbergh, the Wright brothers, Kelly Johnson, and Howard Hughes. You'll also find photos and information about various aircraft, including the SR-71 Blackbird, P-51 Mustang, and the Space Shuttle. As a backdrop to the queue, the Imagineers decided on a motivational selection of triumphant and patriotic songs. For instance, you'll hear the main titles from LBJ, You're On from Dave, Victory at Ed Parker's from Dragon, The Bruce Lee Story, and The Overture from The Blue Max. A few of these songs you've been listening to in the background of this podcast episode. At the end of the Wings of Fame, guests are then split into one of two theaters, heading to the left or to the right down another ramp toward the load area. Here, at the very bottom of the queue, guests are sorted into nine rows of seats, rows one, two, or three in sections Alpha, Bravo, or Charlie. Guests are also assigned a particular seat number, anything from seat number one to seat number 11 in each row. As guests wait for the pre-show to begin, a monitor over each of the three sections plays an airy, gentle variation of the theme to the attraction, which we'll discuss in a few moments. Depicting a flight through the topmost layer of puffy cumulus clouds, guests then learn where their flight will take them today as the names of various locations fly into view, then out of sight one at a time. After a few minutes, the pre-show begins. While the pre-show was originally intended to be hosted by John Travolta, he was unfortunately unavailable to work on the project at the time. Disney instead turned to a rising star in television who also found success as the voice of Krunk in the 2000 Disney film, The Emperor's New Groove, Patrick Warburton. The Imagineers felt that Patrick had the perfect voice and comedic timing to be the chief flight attendant for the attraction. And I think it's safe to say that more than two decades later, Disney fans still love this attraction cameo. During the pre-show, Patrick provides the safety briefing for the attraction, explaining what guests can expect and who might want to opt out of the experience. The film includes a couple of humorous bits Disney fans love to quote, as well as a brief glimpse of the ride experience. A few moments later, the doors open and guests in each section are loaded into the theater simultaneously one row at a time, where they proceed to the end of the row, take their seat, and buckle their seat belts, placing loose articles in the storage pouches below the seat, or, in the case of larger items, on the floor next to the glider. As guests load, they once again hear a gentle, airy variation of the theme to the attraction. Here's a brief clip of the music you'll hear, which I could honestly play on a loop for hours.
Once the three cast members loading the theater check that every guest is properly seated, they press a button at the back of the theater and exit the room to indicate that their section of guests is ready to fly. Meanwhile, a cast member seated in a booth at the front of the theater acts as the ride operator and has a perfect view of all guests in the theater as they're flying just in case they need to stop the attraction for any reason. Once the attraction is ready to begin, the lights dim and Patrick announces, Soarin' to tower, we are ready for takeoff, as the wings of each glider lower down into place, providing the perfect angle for the wind and scent effects on the ride. From here, the gliders move along the cantilever system up toward the screen. In the Soarin' over California version, the screen would activate at the perfectly timed moment as the vehicles moved into place, showing the gliders floating among the clouds. Moments later, the clouds would clear as the Golden Gate Bridge would appear a short distance away. From here, guests would transition to the Redwood Creek, taking a gentle journey just above the water. So close, in fact, that it feels like you could dip your toes into the water below. One fun fact I learned about Soarin' Over California years ago but was unable to confirm in my research for this episode is that Imagineer Mark Sumner made a cameo appearance in this scene fishing alongside a group of kayakers along the creek. Perhaps one day I'll get to interview Mark and confirm this cameo appearance. Next, guests transition to Napa Valley, where they just make it over a line of trees. Again, so close that it feels like you could touch the treetops and get a gorgeous view of hot air balloons floating above the vineyards of the valley during sunrise. They float higher toward the hot air balloons, then transition to a scene above Monterey Bay Sanctuary, where they float above the coast and get a perfect seaside breeze as the ocean scent is pumped through the vehicles. After soaring above the coast, guests find themselves back inland above the snowy peaks of Lake Tahoe, where they ascend the side of the Heavenly Mountain Resort as resort guests ski along the snowy slopes below them. Meanwhile, the smell of pine trees is sent towards each guest. If you watch carefully just before reaching the peak, a skier glides off the side of a short rock wall and makes a brief fall when he lands. The Imagineers added in the voice of a man saying, I'm okay, as we see the skier get up and continue his journey down the mountain. It adds a slight comedic element to the attraction as we just narrowly miss the top of the mountain. Getting you tell the Imagineers love using that close call effect on this ride, by the way. Um, and we get a wide sweeping view of the mountainous peaks surrounding Lake Tahoe as the lake itself is covered in the clouds. Moments later, we transition to Yosemite Falls. As we turn away from the falls to get a gorgeous view of Yosemite National Park and Half Dome in the distance, a glider enters our view and soars in front of us, giving us another small indication of the type of experience this ride is simulating. After a moment of peaceful serenity, we transition to the Palm Desert in La Quinta, where we soar over the PGA West Palmer Golf Course. Driving or diving down towards the golf course, a golfer hits a ball our way just above our heads. While there were rumors that Michael Eisner makes a cameo appearance in this scene, I have yet to confirm this rumor and believe, perhaps, if anything, uh, that Michael was involved, that this scene was probably just inspired by him in some way. One fact that is confirmed, however, is that the golf ball has a hidden mickey on one side, which requires a quick eye to see as the ball soars overhead. From here, we enter what was always my favorite scene of the attraction, the orange groves of Camarillo. We glide closely above the groves as an orange citrus scent, 
the same one used on Horizons that the Imagineers thought of when designing this attraction, is filtered through the air. We make it just above another line of trees to get a sweeping view of the valley and then head back to the desert, where we find three individuals riding horses through the barren landscape of Anza Borrego Desert State Park. The soaring melody grows quiet as three fighter jets pass in front of us. The force is so strong from the jets that it feels as if our gliders are physically pushed backwards a bit. I still remember to this day how convincing that effect felt every time I rode the attraction. Keeping with the military theme, we transition to Naval Air Station North Island in San Diego, where the sun is now getting lower in the sky. Here, we fly above the USS John C. Stennis as we catch a gorgeous view of San Diego in the distance. Heading back north, we then find ourselves along the sandy shores of Malibu at sunset. Here, we get closer and closer to a group of surfers riding the waves below. We get so close, in fact, that we could imagine ourselves once again dipping our toes into the water. Turning away from the shore, we then find ourselves flying quickly toward downtown Los Angeles over some freeway traffic after dark. To cap off the finale, the triumphant music transitions us over the entrance to Disneyland, where we catch a glimpse of the Christmas parade heading down Main Street, USA. As Tinkerbell flies into view, she sprinkles some pixie dust over Sleeping Beauty Castle to start the fireworks. We soar over the castle up towards the fireworks, including one Mickey-shaped firework, getting so close to the blasts that they actually push the gliders backwards. It's timed perfectly that one large firework then begins our graceful descent backwards as the screen goes dark. We once again find our feet gently and gracefully touching the ground as the gliders head back toward the floor of the theater. The lights brighten as Patrick thanks everyone for soaring with us. We unfasten our seatbelts, gather our belongings, and head to the exit of the theater, which in the Disney California Adventure version is themed to look like a blast-resistant tunnel below an airport. Complete with swirling alarm lights, concrete walls, and pipes, a similar appearance to the exit for Avatar Flight of Passage for those listening who are more local to Orlando. I've mentioned the music for the attraction a few times now, and it's worth calling out here. The attraction theme to Soren was created by famed film composer Jerry Goldsmith, who Disney fans might also recognize for developing the score to Mulan. As legend has it, Jerry was invited to ride the attraction to gain some inspiration to write the music. He was so moved by the ride that he literally came off the attraction in tears, boldly saying that he loved the ride so much that he would write the score for free. In the end, he was of course paid for his time, but it's no wonder Jerry came up with such a gorgeous and beloved attraction soundtrack. The theme to Soren is a perfect fit for the ride, combining elements of serenity, tranquility, and even a few thrills and surprises. It's certainly one of my favorite soundtracks of the parks. Before we transition to discussing future versions of Soren, including its addition to Epcot, let's take a brief listen to the ride soundtrack and film effects for Soren over California. For those who remember the original attraction, I hope this provides a nostalgic look back at the original experience. For those who haven't experienced Soarin' Over California, I hope this gives you a small taste of the ride. With that, let's head to Disney California Adventure and enjoy the 2001 version of Soarin' Over California.
When Soarin' Over California opened at Disney California Adventure, the attraction was overwhelmingly popular, seeing wait times up to a few hours on peak days. In fact, while fans didn't necessarily enjoy the original design of Disney California Adventure as a theme park, Soarin' was one of the reasons guests visited the park. With the success of the attraction, Disney knew they needed to replicate the ride in other locations, and one park they turned to just a few years later was Epcot. In 2005, Disney was celebrating the happiest celebration on Earth, a tribute to the 50th anniversary of Disneyland. To mark the occasion, Disney announced that several popular attractions at the Disney parks around the world would be replicated in other Disney locations. One of those attractions was Soarin' Over California. At the time, over at Epcot, the Land Pavilion featured one ride, Living with the Land, and two shows, The Circle of Life and Environmental Fable, and Food Rocks. The Imagineers felt that this pavilion would also be the right fit for the California-based attraction as it celebrated various natural landmarks across the Golden State. There was just one problem. The pavilion wasn't large enough to host the attraction. As such, the Imagineers would need to expand the pavilion to house the ride. To make room for the attraction, the Imagineers decided that the ideal location would be a new show building behind the land pavilion. To make room for the queue, the team also needed to remove food rocks from the first floor. The loading area for the theater was replaced with the gift shop and entrance rotunda for the ride, and the theater itself was removed to make way for the long queue that would head back towards the show building. To update the theme to better fit the land pavilion, the Imagineers made a few additional decisions. First, they renamed the Epcot attraction to just be called Soarin', which would also allow them to potentially update the show scenes in the future. In addition, they replaced the rugged airfield theme with a modernized airport design for the queue. Finally, they updated the queue music to include additional soundtracks from various films, doubling the length of the queue loop to over an hour as they expected, accurately, that the attraction would see longer wait times at Walt Disney World. In the Epcot version, the queue music, which you're now hearing in this part of the podcast episode, includes such songs as Welcome Aboard, Sir, from Air Force One, Cody's Flight from The Rescuers Down Under, all systems go the launch from Apollo 13, the prologue to Hook, the end credits to Field of Dreams, and many more. The Soarin' Q loop at Epcot is one of my favorite area music loops at Walt Disney World. Opening on May 5th, 2005, by a fun coincidence, the same day that Must Do Disney with Stacey J. Oswad debuted on the in-room Walt Disney World Resort channels, Soarin' became an instant hit at Epcot. As a tribute to the attraction's opening day, guests can hear announcements for Soarin' Flight 5505 in the queue. Entering the rotunda, guests find signage confirming that Flight 5505 is now boarding. Following signs to all concourses, we traverse a walkway illuminated by blue lights along the floor that are reminiscent of an airport taxiway. Ascending towards the main throughway toward the theater, we pass by a series of giant screens. For several years, these screens played a series of Kinect-style games themed to the Land Pavilion, where guests would work together to accomplish a series of tasks. The gamification of the queue provided some entertainment for those in standby, but the introduction of the Play Disney Parks app rendered this need obsolete. 
trivia competitions would eventually replace these Kinect-style games with many trivia questions relating to flight and to the land. Rounding a corner, guests then enter the show building and head toward the merge point, where they're separated into one of three theaters to the left, right, or straight ahead, concourse A, B, or C. While the attraction originally featured two theaters, like the California version, Disney added a third theater in 2016 to accommodate increased park demand and coincided with the transformation of Soarin' Over California to Soarin' Around the World. Aside from some thematic differences in the queue, the attraction followed the same sequence as its California counterpart from that point, leading guests into the pre-show area followed by the theater, and then the exit pathways back toward the entrance rotunda. The only major difference was that the Imagineers had Patrick welcome guests to Soren rather than to Soren over California, which would make it easier for future changes to the attraction. Inevitably, 15 years after Soren opened in California, the attraction was ready for a change. For a long time, Soarin' at Epcot was rumored to eventually be replaced with a Soarin' Over the World-style attraction. At the D23 Expo in 2015, Disney announced that this long-time rumor would indeed be coming to fruition in an even more expansive way, indicating that Soarin' Around the World would not just be coming to Epcot, but also to Disney California Adventure, and to the newest Disney theme park, Shanghai Disneyland, where it would be called Soaring Over the Horizon. All three attractions were slated to debut in mid-June 2016. Shanghai's version opened with the park on June 16th, and the other two debuted a day later on June 17th. With the updated ride experience, the Imagineers filmed on location at several destinations around the world, although several scenes not approved for live-action filming were adding using computer animation. While Soarin' Over California used an IMAX camera attached to a helicopter filming at 48 frames per second, Soarin' Around the World used a unique camera rig created by Walt Disney Imagineering that filmed in 8K at 120 frames per second. This new ride path would travel across six continents, visiting at least a dozen countries, with a few unique variations made to each version. Taking flight, we find ourselves once again among the clouds. When the clouds clear, we glance ahead to see Matterhorn Mountain at the border of Switzerland and Italy. We glide right over the peak of the summit, enter a cloud, and emerge on the other side in East Fjord, Greenland where we find a family of polar bears playing and fishing along the icy coast. Moments later, an orca jumps out of the water and sends a splash of water towards our gliders. From here, we transition to Sydney Harbour in Australia, where we see the Sydney Opera House and Sydney Harbour Bridge up ahead. As we head towards the bridge, a seaplane, taking off from the harbor below, comes flying straight towards us and lifts above our heads just a few feet, which transitions us to Germany. Here in Bavaria, we see Neuschwanstein Castle, which was one of the landmarks that inspired Cinderella Castle. We approach the castle and pass overhead on its left side before making a left towards the mountains. As we turn, we catch a glare of the sunlight, which shines brightly in our faces and transitions us to Kilimanjaro National Park in Tanzania. 
Not surprisingly, this serves as yet another little Disney Easter egg, this time for Kilimanjaro safaris, as we see Mount Kilimanjaro in the distance. Up ahead, as we can smell the earthy scent of the dirt below, a family of elephants can be seen roaming the savanna. We get lower to pass just above the elephants, and one member of the herd taking a dust bath sends a trunk full of dirt in front of our view. This sends us to the Great Wall of China. We take a graceful flight a short distance above the wall as we approach a section that drops along the hillside. In a quick maneuver, we dive along the hillside, following the path of the wall toward a group of kites. One kite passes in front of our view, which transitions us to Egypt. Here in the desert, we start off low and then pass up above a sandy hill to get an up-close view of the Great Pyramids. We approach the pyramids and climb up the side of one of them, which reveals a mini dust storm that sends a burst of sand into view. When the dust clears, we've re relocated to India as we soar over the majestic gardens and fountains outside the Taj Mahal. Here, the Imagineers included a floral patchouli scent to evoke the feeling of this historic landmark. As we approach the temple, the central tower suddenly transforms into a hot air balloon as the landscape around us sends us to the buttes of Monument Valley in Arizona. As we fly past a group of hot air balloons, three balloons in the distance move into position to make a hidden Mickey for just a couple of seconds. As we soar toward the horizon, a large bird of prey quickly enters our view and passes right in front of us, completely engulfing our vision. As the bird passes, we transition to the Lao Islands in Fiji, where we can smell the fresh ocean breeze. We descend over the island, getting closer to the water on the other side. As we sail close to the water, the scene transitions and we find ourselves over another body of water, closely following the rapids below until we finally reach the edge and find ourselves above the summit of the Guaza Falls at the border of Brazil and Argentina. We soar above the falls and past a rainbow. Within a few moments, we find ourselves in a cloud of mists, which transitions us once again. At this point, we jump back to Europe and find ourselves along the Seine in Paris after nightfall. In front of us, the Eiffel Tower glistens with sparkling lights as we climb upwards along the side of the tower. Once we reach the top, the rotating beacon lights at the top shine into view, which transitions us to our final scene. Depending on which version of the attraction you experience, the ride leaves you in your location. For example, at Epcot, the final scene takes you over Future World at nightfall. You fly over Spaceship Earth and the Old Fountain of Nations and view the fireworks in the distance. Savvy Disney fans will notice that the fireworks are set off behind the parking lot of Epcot, which is not where you typically watch this evening spectacular, but it allows for a darker backdrop and a slightly more evergreen landscape to allow for park changes. If, on the other hand, you're riding the attraction at Disney California Adventure, you end the experience watching the fireworks over Disneyland Park and Sleeping Beauty Castle. Meanwhile, if you're riding Soaring Over the Horizon at Shanghai Disneyland, the final show scene takes you to downtown Shanghai, where you watch the fireworks set off from the city below. Soaring Over the Horizon also begins and concludes with a gorgeous starry night where you can even make out the Milky Way galaxy. While the new attraction features more CGI effects and what some consider to be a few sloppy transitions, the ride is still revered as one of the most popular and beloved at the Disney parks. 
The Soarin' Around the World theme also better connects the various versions of the attraction around the world and allows for a more customized fi finale sequence based on the park you're visiting. That being said, an argument could definitely be made to return the original attraction at Disney California Adventure to its original version, as the park is still devoted to the Golden State of California. With the change in the ride, the Imagineers also needed to come up with a new score for the film, one that would fit with the new timing and theme of the show scenes. To accomplish this task, the team hired famed composer Bruce Broughton, who developed some of the best of the early 2000s Disney Park soundtracks, including the score to the 2007 version of Spaceship Earth, narrated by Dame Judi Dench, the score to Ellen's Energy Adventure, the theme to Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, the theme to Timekeeper, and many more. In honoring Jerry Goldsmith, who passed away in 2004, Bruce kept the same melody that Jerry had developed, but he modernized it and adapted it to the new show scenes, adding in some international elements to fit with the cultures of the various countries as they appear. Although Jerry Goldsmith's version is certainly considered a classic original, Bruce Broughton's update is a touching tribute and still one of my favorite attraction soundtracks. With the success of all three versions of Soarin', the Imagineers decided to replicate the attraction once again, this time at Tokyo Disney Sea. But this time, they took a bit of a different approach to the theme. Following the storyline for the Society of Explorers and Adventurers, better known as Sea, the Imagineers created a Renaissance-era explorer named Camellia Falco, who was supposed to be the first female member of that society. Guests enter the Museum of Fantastic Flight and take a tour of the museum. The queue sends guests to an impressive pre-show that features a portrait of Camellia come to life. This culminates with the ride experience, where guests board a dream flyer designed to look like Leonardo da Vinci's interpretation of a flying machine. The attraction, which opened on July 23, 2019, is otherwise quite similar to the other versions of the ride with two show scene differences. First, the Paris scene is replaced with a nighttime flight over Tokyo. Second, the ride concludes at Tokyo Disney Sea with a gorgeous view of fireworks over Mount Prometheus. No matter which version of Soarin' you experience, the ride remains a favorite at the Disney parks around the world. As the Imagineers continue to explore the sensation of flight, the team will likely continue returning to Soarin' as a benchmark for a theater-based flight simulator. Even Avatar Flight of Passage is a kind of evolution of Soarin's ride system. And I encourage you to listen back to Imagineer Podcast, episode 124, to learn more about this particular attraction at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Soarin' sets the bar for a thrilling but gentle, family-friendly attraction. It's one that brings joy, serenity, and thrills to guests of all ages, and I'm sure it will remain a classic at the Disney parks. At this point, I'd love to take you with me for a virtual ride on Soarin' Around the World. For this particular episode, we'll head to Epcot, which is where I was able to most recently record some binaural audio. As always, wearing headphones or earbuds will provide you with the most realistic 360 experience, but any listening device should help to transport you back to the ride. With that, let's head to the Land Pavilion and enjoy Soarin' Around the World.
will begin boarding in a few minutes, but first I'd like to acquaint you with some important safety information. When the doors to your flight open, please take a seat and store all carry-on items in the underseat compartment. This includes cameras, purses, hats, and of course, these little beauties. <laughs> Next, fasten your seatbelts, inserting them into the buckle on your right. If smaller aviators don't measure up to the height indicator on the seat, just put the belt through the loop in the center strap before buckling. That's worked, pal. Soon you will be airborne. So if you or your little aviators have a fear of flying or of heights, you might want to wait for your party at the arrival gate. Okay, let's review. That is seat, seat belt, carry-on item, safety strap, fear of heights, keep your hands and arms inside at all times, anything else. Yeah, have a nice day. We are ready for takeoff. 
fasten your seatbelt, just push down on the red button on your right. Be sure to gather all your carry-on items from the under-seat compartment and exit to your left. Have a great stay here at Epcot or wherever your final destination may be. And with that, we close out episode 141 of the Imagineer podcast. I hope you enjoyed this deep dive analysis and discussion of Soren, including Soren over California and Soren around the world. Hopefully this episode gave you some new details and insights you might not have known before and gave you an even greater appreciation for this attraction. I, of course, want to turn the conversation over to you and hear what you love most about Soren. Could be a particular part of Soarin' Over California or Soarin' Around the World, a specific version that you enjoy the most around the Disney parks around the world, or anything else that you would like to add to the conversation. You can reach out as always in so many different ways and the easiest as always is on social media on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Imagineer Podcast, on Twitter at Imagineer News, Or you can reach out in our Facebook group, which I always recommend. It's called The Imagination, also called The Imagineer Podcast Disney Fan Community. And I've got a link to that and all the other locations mentioned in the episode description and over at ImagineerPodcast.com. Our Facebook group allows you to not just uh, communicate and discuss this particular topic, but also all things Disney with other members of the listener community. It's a positive, welcoming, family-friendly place. So I definitely encourage you to join our Facebook group and again, to connect on our other social media channels as well. And you can also join and subscribe to our YouTube page, which is also at Imagineer Podcast or at youtube.com slash Imagineer Podcast. I've got links there again at ImagineerPodcast.com and the description of this podcast episode. If you don't already subscribe to the show, make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, iHeartMedia, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Google Podcasts or any other podcast app, which will allow you to be the first to know when new podcast episodes become available. And if you have a moment to leave us a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts or in Spotify, that goes a long way to help the show as well. 
And I want to thank those of you who have already taken the time to rate and review the show in those two places or on any other podcast app. If you'd like to take your love of Imagine Your Podcast to the next level, definitely look into our Patreon group over at patreon.com slash imagineyourpodcast to learn how you can get extra content available just to Patreon members, including bonus podcast episodes, as well as a private Facebook community, weekly events, including watch parties and Zoom uh, get-togethers and so much more. You can learn more again over at patreon.com slash imagineyourpodcast since terms and conditions are subject to change depending on when you're listening to the show. You can also learn how a portion of all proceeds go to support various charities throughout the year. And when you're ready to book a vacation to any of the Soren locations mentioned or any other Disney destination, definitely look into our travel partner, Magical Park Vacations, which you can learn more about at MagicalParkVacations.com. They're who I personally use to book my Disney vacations. They can provide you with an exceptional level of service, and their services are complimentary to you. They can help to even save you money on a future Disney vacation because they're aware of all the discounts that apply and can work within your budget, providing some great recommendations for your next Disney vacation. And consider working with their sister company, WDW Park Planners, which you can learn more about at www.parkplanners.com. They are a concierge planning service that will sit with your family and come up, at least virtually, and come up with a personalized itinerary day by day. They can do a lot when it comes to helping to alleviate the stress and the guesswork of a Disney vacation. I personally use them to plan Maggie's first trip to Walt Disney World. That is how much I trust this company (laughs) to plan my daughter's first trip to Disney. Even with all the Disney knowledge that I have, I definitely recommend reaching out to them and learning more about how they can help you as well. Again, over at www.parkplanners.com and their in-person tour company as well, which I also used on this uh, trip to Walt Disney World. You can learn more about their in-person touring company, Magical Park Tours, over at magicalparktours.com. Last but not least, I want to encourage you, as I always do, to go after your hopes, your dreams, your goals. Maybe one of those goals is as simple as a Disney vacation, but also more broadly speaking, whatever your dreams in life might be, go after them today. Don't delay. Don't waste time. Just go after those dreams and make them a reality. And remember, as always, that inspiring quote from Horizons, if you can dream it, you can do it. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you again in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast.
thing. It's always another thing with you. Those two guys could have taken us to see Mr. Eisner. Come on, let's look around here first. What is this place? I have no idea. Gentlemen, welcome to Condor Flats, home of the daredevils and dreamers of California aviation. Oh, yeah. Test pilots blasting through the atmosphere at Mach speed. Supersonic jets performing death-defying feats. Higher, faster, further. If you'll just follow me to the jetway, you don't want to miss your flight. Our flight? No, 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 no. We, we have an appointment. We're not going to have a problem here, are we? Didn't think so. Welcome, gentlemen, to our Wings of Fame gallery. Wow, I had no idea so many airplanes were designed here in California. Well, I hate to brag. I say I hate to brag. More aviation history happened here in California than anywhere else in the world. Here's the little beauty that started it all. The Gold Glider, 1883. The first successful glider flight in the U.S. Oh, oh look, and isn't that the spirit? The spirit of St. Louis? Why, yes, it is built right here in California. Charles Lindbergh flew solo across the Atlantic in that tough old bird. And here's the F-104 Starfighter, the first double sonic plane. That's pretty fast. Then there's the SR-71 Blackbird. That little baby could fly from New York to London in two hours. And who could forget the Space Shuttle Columbia? From California to the cosmos. I know what you're thinking, fantastic flying machines, right? Well, so is the one that will be taking you soaring over California. Soaring over California? Let's fly. From Los Angeles to San Francisco and all points in between. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, we don't have time to visit all those places. See, we have an appointment with Disney's Big Cheese. Maybe we could just stop by some of the beach communities. I don't think the big cheese would want you to miss this flight. When you're at Walt Disney World Resort for the world's most magical celebration, every moment is amazing, the joy is never ending, and the memories last a lifetime. Because when you celebrate with us, nothing could be more magical. Contact Magical Park Vacations to book your Walt Disney World Resort vacation today. Call 585-662-3686 or visit MagicalParkVacations.com.